away. Still better than most. Better than most. Critical takeoff. He falls into the pit. He's going to get spat out. Please make welcome the Ball and All podcast, James Tiger Woods, Beric Eckerbarts, and the king of speaking in the third person, Steve Condor Condo Condon. Welcome back. It's uh, Monday's Experts, and we're down a few uh, troops today, Jared. Episode 22. It's just you and I. Um, welcome. Holding up the fort. We are, we are holding up the fort. So uh, Barnsley is uh, is coaching, and Woody is coaching. I mean, this is what happens when the ball and all have two sports uh, fanatics that are obviously in-demand coaches. They are out and about. Um, surf has been pumping up and down the East Coast. We've got a QS... Uh, Challenger series, which starts up at Snapper next Saturday, I think. So Woody's uh, Woody's putting in the big hours there with all his troops, and Barnsley's um, back in the uh, in the fray with the Wallabies. So he's doing lots of satellite coaching, uh, Zoom sessions, and all of the above. So it's um, you and I holding down the fort. There's plenty to talk about um, with the NRL. Uh, firstly, let's <laughs> let's have an update on the tipping comp. So, Jared, currently Vaughan Blakey is on 57 points, closely followed by Powley on 54. Uh, that means after round, uh, after round nine, which was the first cutoff for us, uh, I'm the only one that's sort of up there. All the other guys need to pull their socks up. So there's, there's 16 punters that are, in front of, uh, that are in front of me. So the 16 punters, all you have to do is uh, send me a message, let me know which which part of, uh, sorry, which piece of ball and all apparel you would like, a hat, pair of shorts, I don't know, we've got lots of things, T-shirts, um, let us know, let us know your size and uh, we'll get it out to you. So those 16 people are very lucky after round nine and we've got to get, we've got to get cracking for the next nine rounds, Jared. Well, there's 16 out of over 100, so that's not too bad, Steve, it could have been a lot worse. Well, I went the Joker on the weekend too and I was looking pretty good until I came into Saturday Arvo. Because I went Dolphins, Golden Point, uh, and then Manly losing at Brookvale and the Panthers getting beaten by the Tigers. Well, I was with the Dolphins and they just miss in extra time. And I gave the, uh, the Titans a big shake. I thought they might cover the line. I wasn't sure that they could upset at, at Brookvale, but Listen, none of us would have got the West Tigers. I mean, they probably want to take the rain with them everywhere at the moment because that certainly helped them. But their defence was super and their kicking game off their halfback was uh, outstanding, 240-20s. But they really rolled their sleeves up in defence. So that made a big difference. I think on the Tigers too, that's probably the first game in their uh, nine rounds where they've actually tucked the ball under the the armour and not not tried to play the so-called sort of expansive play that... That's, you know, pretty much all we read about in the off-season. I mean, I know the conditions, obviously. You know, that's the only way you're going to play when it was absolutely bucketing down. But still, it worked. Yeah, 
absolutely, they held the middle and and they were really strong in defence. And you know, the, the the Panthers made far more errors than they would normally make, but a lot of that was from pressure. And so, you know, I, I think it's a ten out of ten win for them. Gives them a little bit of confidence. They were in the game right till late the week prior, and there was a little bit of rain influencing that as well. And then get a very winnable opportunity this week. I mean, we've got the ball and all cup. The Tigers play the Dragons <laughs> at Suncorp and Magic Round. I mean, I'm sure you and Woody will be sitting next to each other in the stands cheering each team on. Oh, the ball and all cup, the Tigers and the Dragons. Does it get any worse for the Dragons? I mean, you and I were talking earlier this morning. They've now scored the equivalent tries in their last four or five hitouts as their opposition. Against the Roosters, they scored more tries. Uh, Lomax is not kicking well. That's not the, the full blame, but they're sort of hanging in there playing shit football. Their attack, they they, they build to nothing. And, oh, I don't know, what's going they're, they're like, well, I, Griffin's I, just got to move so, on, hasn't he? I've been saying for five years about Anthony Griffin. He may well be a lovely bloke and all that sort of stuff. But as a first-grade coach, the guy has absolutely no idea what to do in the red zone. Uh, God only knows what they do at Bullworth because they probably just go through the motions. There is no intent of what they're trying to set up or they're trying to do, and they're just so poorly coached. Let, let's go back what, to that game the, three weeks ago. What, what about the rotation of his interchange? Oh, well, I mean, what, know, is, I mean, what is it? Dead set. Moses, Moses at number nine. I reckon I would be more athletic than he currently is, and you've got to. I think he, I really like Jacob Little. I think he's a really good footballer, and he can definitely play eighty minutes. He's getting about fifteen minutes at the moment. Yeah, and I think his best football has been this season. And I agree with you. I would have been playing him far more game time. But what about Big Kerr? I mean, Kerr will go to the Dolphins next year and, and absolutely well brain them. Yeah, he's a big body. He he bends the line, yet he only got. Short minutes at the end of the game yesterday when it didn't really matter. I would have had him on, certainly going into half time and out of half time when it made a difference. Um, I would have had him starting. I think. I think. I. I think from memory he came on with sixteen minutes to go. Yeah. Like ridiculous. Yeah. Anyway, that's the Dragons. They they are a sinking ship. There. There needs to be a clean out there. They need to. Get some things in order. I mean, the mail seems to be. Uh, you're hearing that Ben Hornby is sort of the, is probably the front runner at the moment. Riles looks like he possibly is going to do another 12 months. Bellamy might hang around there, and he might be the P for the pod down at the uh, down at the Storm. So that might cancel him out. Um, so it probably is down to uh, Ben Hornby and Dean Young, I would think. And it doesn't sound like there's a lot of support for Shane Flanagan. No, listen, I don't think Flanagan's in the mix at all. I think there's certainly one faction of the board very much against him being at the club. I don't think he's any chance. Um, the key then is Riles. Riles appears to be the favoured son to follow Bellamy at the Storm. Bellamy likely, it appears to extend. That would mean that Riles can then finish his commitments without a blow-up at the Roosters and then be the P for the Storm job. Um, I think he's in the mix, but I'm not sure that that's going to unfold. And then of what then remains, I believe that Hornby has been very impressive in initial discussions and probably has his nose in front. Yeah, I'd love to see one of those two, Dean Young or Hornby, matched up with someone like Nathan Brown running the roster uh, and pathways. I think that would be a good mix. Well, well, and I think that Hornby uh, appears to have had a very good grounding. 
not sure that he's actually coached his own team outright. I'd need to go back and have a look at that. But he's been under Bennett and Dimitriou for you know the best part of six or seven or eight years. I think that's a very good grounding. Um, and they say that he's been very impressive in, in any of his discussions and, and his, uh, his methods and strategies. Uh, Cowboys on the weekend, Jared. Geez, just treading water or are they sinking? Oh, they're sinking. They've got, they've got a lot of problems, haven't they? I mean, the, what do you put it down they're, to? They're away. Oh, listen, I think there's a whole range of things. I mean, they've had a, you know some outs. They're, they're certainly missing five or six in the middle at the moment, which is hurting them. But you'd have to suggest that leaking the points that they are, there's some uh, major fitness issues, some major attitude issues. You know, to go to Shark Park and have 44 put through them like that was very poor. Um, I think it suggests, given the Knights' result as well, that that Cowboys-Knights game the week before was pretty scrappy and, and a pretty low quality. The Cowboys have three wins. All of them have been at home. Uh, I think they're in a world of pain. I think they're going to finish bottom four the way this season's unfolding. They're going to also now miss uh, Nanai. He'll go out suspended for a period of probably three or four weeks. They're then going to have the influence of Origin because they have a number of guys that end up being in Origin camp. Uh, I just don't see how they rebuild their season from here. Um, I must say I was surprised. I know they were without Schuster and... Turbo didn't play, uh, but I was very surprised with Manly but getting beaten at Brookvale. But they didn't only get beaten. I mean, the Titans were dominant. Um, big bounce back from the week before because they were bloody ordinary in that second half against the Dolphins the week before. And, and the key here with the, do- uh, the Titans is you, if you take the best of what they're doing over the last four or five weeks, they're a good football team. The problem is they also have the worst. Now, they minimised that in this game. I think the rain helped them. They played uh, much better big-body football. They had a better big-body bench. Um, everybody put their shoulder to the wheel, and the defence was uh, far, far more committed than it had been in previous weeks. Uh, the key about the Eagles is they just don't like playing in wet weather. That's 11 of their last 13 into the weekend, so that's now 12 of the last 14 that they've lost in the wet. Um, they clearly don't like that. I think also the influence of having Turbo out, Schuster out, Kohler out. Um, they've got issues at six. Um, I think they've got issues off the bench at nine, and they just weren't comfortable. And very unusual back at Brookvale where they do normally improve. And I think another issue that stands out for me about Seabold as a coach is he seems to be very good at getting teams up as he did a few weeks ago at Brookvale against the Storm but they also then seem to be teams that suffer from big downs and if we look at the form prior to that Storm win and the form since, you know, they got absolutely lapped uh, at Penrith, you know, 32 uh, all at Mudgee against the Knights and then since, you know, they struggled against the Tigers and then get beat back at home. It's a very patchy roller coaster of form and attitude for uh, the Eagles at the moment. They now go to Brisbane, as everybody does this week from Magic Ground, and they match up against the Broncos. Very interesting match up there. And do we see Turbo back? Um, and on the Eagles, I mean, do you think it is correct that uh, Shane Flanagan's son, Kyle, is going to the Eagles? Oh, I find that quite a bizarre signing. Well, I'd find it very bizarre too. And, you know, the the, uh, the case can be argued that it's a, a backup for nine, a backup for six, uh, and through origin, maybe a backup for seven. 
Uh, maybe they need that depth. Maybe there's issues about what's going to happen with Schuster and, and how long he might be on the sidelines when he comes back, whether he seems to be on the outer. That seems to be the case at the moment, given some of the media speculation last week. So if it was just for the rest of the season and if they're not paying uh, a lot of the, the coin, you know, maybe it's a backup option for them. But it still leaves me scratching my head that surely there are other better options to go into their top 30 because it means that it's then taking up a space. It could have been one of the guys that they could bring up from lower grades into their top 30 or make potentially another signing elsewhere. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. And then Sir Aldo comes out last night in his press conference and says that it's news to him and nothing has been across his desk to say, is this an option we want to do? So whether that's media speculation coming from a couple of uh, player managers or one in particular and a couple of the media guys have bitten. Um, interesting to see what unfolds there over the coming days. Tony Mestroff, the CEO there, Jared, he seems to be putting his uh, his own footprint on, on the setup at the Eagles, doesn't he? I mean, Scott Fulton is out. I see uh, he, was, he was in charge of recruitment. Uh, the Tigers have signed him, which will be interesting to see the effect on the Manly roster. Uh, Jeff Toovey back in and sort of running the junior well, the junior development slash pathways, um, are these good moves? Well, I, I certainly think it's great to see Tuvi back. I mean, I've always been a rap on him. There was a lot of politics behind him being on the outer and a bit of a fallout with the wrong people going back a number of years ago. Uh, he's always had a lot to offer. I thought he was an astute coach when he was the head coach of the Eagles. His game plans um, were very good. Uh, I think being a Eagles legend back in the role of development and pathways is very good for the club. I mean, clearly there's a bit of a shake-up that's ongoing under Mestroff and him getting things in place of how he wants the club run moving forward. Um, you know, uh, it begs the question if, if you know, as written in the media today, Scott Fulton has signed so many guys in this role and he's been so good at junior pathways and development, then why is he on the outer and why is he leaving and why is he ending up at the Tigers? But, um yeah, interesting. Interesting. I think, you know, Manly are moving forward. I'm not convinced that Seabold's the man, but if they put a lot of the other pieces in place around that, hopefully that's making the club stronger for the future. Uh, I think uh, the the review of the Rabbits and the Broncos, one looks the real deal. I'm not sure the other one is the real deal. Rabbits look good. Yeah, the Rabbits do look good. And they come through a strong form line. You know, they had a very close tussle with uh, the Storm, with the Eagles, then they beat the Panthers, then uh, in between that, a couple of resounding wins over the Dolphins and the Bulldogs, and then really aimed up at Suncorp last week. I thought they were very strong through the middle. To be fair to the Broncos, they were definitely missing Haas in the middle and um, Marm at 5 uh, 8. The uh, Rabbits, you know, probably had a touch of. Um, the bounce of the ball go their way, which I think in previous weeks have been going the Broncos' way. But I do like, like what they bring, and they've got strong points of attack. They're playing much more even left or right this year than they have in the past. You know, Graham on the right edge comes up with three tries. Um, uh, he, he's having an outstanding season, and what a cracking matchup this week, Saturday night at Suncourt. We now have the Storm and the Rabbitohs rematch. The Storm outstanding record at that ground and an outstanding long-term record over the Rabbitohs, that will be a cracker on Saturday evening. 
Yeah, the um, I think the interesting thing there too is, you know, the Broncos have had pretty much as good as it gets in the first uh, first nine weeks, including next weekend. So ten weeks in, they will have played seven home games, and then they're going to run into State of Origin uh, away games. Obviously, injuries, guys missing. Yeah, I don't know. I think they've. Oh, I'm still yet to be convinced on the Broncos. Well, I think the other thing to peel back on their form line so far too, Steve, is how many games have they played against top four teams? I mean, I, I would suggest at the moment it's only the Rabbits and the Panthers. So yeah. let's let's see how that unfolds in the second half of the season if their record against the top four or five really stands up. So uh, we've said for many weeks their second half of the draw is tough. They will play a lot of away games and they will also play teams at the top of the table. Now, how they come through that will be very interesting, but they have the advantage of... Um, seven wins and a buffer of points behind them that will help them through that. But whether they are a winning chance to stand up and show their credentials for September, a very interesting watch. So let's, uh, we're one third into the season, uh, ninth round. So let's do a report card. So we've got Broncos 14, Sharks 12, Rabbitohs 12, Storm 12, Roosters 12, Seagulls 11, Panthers 10, Warriors 10. That's your top eight on four and against. Then Dolphins, Titans, Raiders on ten. What is uh, what's the Matrix's view on? Are we going to get many change ups there in the bottom of the eight? In your view? Well, well, listen. If I had to find a team at the moment that I wanted to back long term, it would be the Rabbitohs. Um, you know, I just like what they're doing. I think their depth is very strong. You know, last week they had to toll a back. It made a big difference. Um, they're going to get one more key forward back if they can keep that balance. You know, they're, they're a very strong option longer term. Um, I've still got question marks about the Sharks' defence, uh, and I think the Sharks and the Broncos were going to have a very keen watch over the next six to eight weeks because they have had the luxury, I think, of um, a very good draw to date. Uh, the Storm... Under Bellamy, they just keep on, don't they? And if they get Pappenhausen back in the next four or five weeks, that really strengthens up further. Uh, they're still sitting somewhere around that top four. Not convinced about the Roosters. I'm not sure that Keary's form this year is a standout. Question marks about what they do with his halves partners. Question marks about defending on the left edge. You know, got away with a win yesterday, a golden point win during the week. Uh, against the top of the table sides they've been disappointing for mine um, I think the Panthers will just get on a roll as the season unfolds, um, they're going to be somewhere in, in that top six gee the rest is very open isn't it? Oh, you know, oh yeah. Warriors, Dolphins, Titans, Raiders I mean the Raiders you know with uh, with their little sobbing coach uh, his press conferences, dear oh dear there's always drama but anyway uh, the on the back of an easier draw um, they might roll in. Well, they have got a very soft draw. I mean, I said in the start of the season, I think, you know, they and the Sharks have one of the best draws in the competition. So there's no excuses. They're starting to get a few players back. Um, the form out of that game against the Dolphins was horrible on both sides of, of the defence there. You know, I, the Dolphins were very, very soft through the middle in, in both halves, you know, but the Raiders kicked away, couldn't put the game away going into half time, and then couldn't put it away in the second half. Um, you know, I, I don't know. There's a lot of depth out of that. Eels is an interesting watch. I mean, they're four from nine. 
I still think that they're a major risk to miss the eight. Um, but they have been better through recent weeks. Um, certainly gave the Knights a bit of a touch-up on the, on the weekend. And um, very interesting game to finish the weekend in Brisbane this, this round because they'll play the Titans on Sunday night. And again, the winner there will have quite a bearing on matching up toward the uh, a run toward the eight. Um, this weekend marks, I mean, ridiculous milestone. Wayne Bennett will coach his 900th NRL first grade game. Will never be done again, Steve. I mean, he's one of the all-time greats. Um, working with him uh, back in the early 90s at Armidale and a number of different uh, coaching camps through the road. Uh, the first year was when he was um, leaving South and Brisbane to go to the Raiders, and he's just a Im- very impressive man. And what a record! Nine hundred games. I mean, it, there's media reports today that he's he's told those at the Dolphins he doesn't want any fanfare about it. Uh, he doesn't want to be mentioned. Nothing special. He just wants to get on with the task. Um, nice match up there. Five thirty on. Saturday against the Sharks, you'd expect that there's mm, going to be a little bit of ball play in that game and plenty of points. And you suggest that the Sharks at the moment are worthy worthy favourites there. But the Dolphins will have a lot of cheer squad there uh, in Brisbane at Suncorp. I'm sure they're probably better than they've been over recent weeks. But, yeah, just an amazing coach. And you, you only have to go and watch that special on um Stand the documentary about the making of the Dolphins and just see some of the tidbit interviews with Bennett and how he handles himself. And he hates being in public, but he's an amazing man. The um, I mean, if you just do, if you do the numbers, it's pretty frightening. If you average out, say, roughly the times he's made the finals when he hasn't, when he's gone on and won comps, um, let's call it twenty-five games a year. That's thirty-six seasons of coaching NRL. Yep. That is just absolutely ridiculous. Staggering. What absolutely are, staggering. Uh, I mean, and there I'm, won't be another. No, there won't be. Now, I'm going to put you on the spot, but um, what would you flag as his best achievements? Oh, listen, I think a couple of his origin wins have just been stunning. I mean, the one a couple of years a couple ago. Of years ago, like, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, there's absolutely no way they should have been in a position to win that game in the third and decider. You know, they won the upset of um, game one of that series, which was over in Perth, I think. Uh, then game two was in Adelaide, or, or might have been in... No, sorry, game two was at Homebush, and they got absolutely smacked. And to watch the cameras afterwards, where he's sitting in the, the dressing room with the players, laughing, creating jokes, taking all the pressure off them, they go into game three, the despised outsiders, and... You know, we even had one of the News Limited cheerleaders write headlines about it was the worst Queensland team ever. Dean Ritchie. Days prior to it. Yep, Dean Ritchie. And then they come out and win. You know, he, he's just, his management of players and their mental approach is just absolutely outstanding. And he's very good at getting their head right. You know, go back to game one for the Dolphins this year mm. against the Roosters at Suncorp. You know, full house, he had them absolutely right, ready to play, and they come out. They didn't need to open the doors. They were ready to go and just went whack. You know, they were outstanding. Yeah, and you go back to some of the um, his prior origin victories, um, you know, what he did with the Raiders uh, when he first went down there with Don Ferner. You know, the Raiders had been... 
treading water for a few years. Um, he was so instrumental in uh, what they did in terms of attack, got them to semi-finals and grand finals, and his influence with Don Ferner very quickly. Yeah, he's an outstanding. That, that's coach. before we even talk about what he did with the Australian side. A couple that's of right. a couple of years at the Dragons, where they were sort of I don't know, just needed guidance, a minor premiership, a 2010 premiership win, and pretty much since he went out the door, they've been rudderless. Um, and then I think well, there's and, absolutely know, and, and, no doubt in the next oh, I don't know. Well, it's probably all, already happening, but the Dolphins are going to be an absolute powerhouse of the NRL, aren't they? Oh, they are, absolutely. And and you and I have discussed this before. Let's hope that he gets not only, um, you know, the three-year deal, but gets a 10-year deal and sits in the background and just has an influence because you, you only had to watch the scenes at Wagga prior to the game on the weekend where he's walking down as the players come out for their warm-up and he's about to do an interview with Fox. And there's all these young kids who are 11 and 12. Yeah, and wanting photos. Wanting photos. It was nearly like he was embarrassed to take a photo, wasn't it? Yeah, but he just makes the time now. And there's been so many stories over the last number of weeks that wherever the Dolphins go, you know, the the person that all the supporters want to be uh, having their selfies with or an autograph with is Wayne Bennett. Yeah. Not the players. And it, it, that's the standing and influence, even for 11 and 12-year-olds that the man has in the game now. Um, you know, just just amazing. And um, the Dolphins in the, in the next year and the year after are going to be so strong. Yeah, they are. And there's no ego about the man. Look at halftime on, on uh, Saturday. Yeah, he had a couple of things to say, but then he let Christian Wolf step in and, and direct what he wanted done at halftime. And then you go to the press conference after the game. You know, they probably weren't great on the weekend. Probably should have got beat a little bit more uh, comfortably by the Raiders. And he turned his press conference into a, a joke-a-thon and, you know, almost a comedy skit. I mean, yeah. he just takes all the pressure off his players. I love his press conferences. If you had one pick, Jared, let's just say Wayne actually agreed to it, which would be difficult. Who would be your pick of somebody to sit down and do a, a long-length interview with Wayne Bennett? Oh, Roy Masters. Roy Masters oh, or pick, or, yeah. uh, or Andrew Webster. I mean, I think they're the, you know, two of the, uh, at the forefront of being great journos. And, you know, Roy's known Wayne since... Wouldn't that be um, great yeah. listening? Roy Masters, I didn't even oh, think yeah. of him. Roy Masters, yeah. Wayne Bennett in the same room. And give him two hours. Give yeah. him two hours just to, and let Roy just lead him through whatever it was and, and talk about all that sort of stuff and you know, um, from, you and I were, from, were there from, in Armadale. From, yeah, from memory, they've always had a good relationship, haven't they? Oh, they have a great relationship, yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, Roy always refers to him as the tall, skinny coach. <laughs> yeah, the tall, the tall skinny, skinny coach. coach. And, and, and Bennett, rightly so, is forever having a crack at Roy about the fact that Roy quotes him in a media article of saying something that he never said. And, and then they'll ring Wayne and say, did you say that? And he goes, oh, well, if Roy said I did, I probably did. Yeah, classic, classic. And geez, I t- tell you what, they're uh, they're slightly different individuals. You have got one that's a teetotaler, and I can remember that camp that you and I did uh, with Wayne in the early nineties. And Roy Masters was there on the coaching staff. Gee, he had about twenty five beers every night. Well, his <laughs> Roy's nickname is Thirsty for a reason. Yeah. And you might remember we used to have six thirty sessions first up each morning, and uh, Roy didn't make one of them all week long. Or he had, his, then... had his glasses hanging down over his nose, and he's. He just—he literally just rolled out of bed when he got there about ten o'clock. 
Well, the other classic too was sitting back at um, you know eight o'clock at night, where we're in the staff room with uh, Roy and and Wayne and you know guys like John Money and you know a few other notable people and you know a few uh, those who wanted to have a beer could have a beer and Wayne would sit there amongst everybody and 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 just lead the conversation. Yeah. And, he, you know, that was back when he didn't have a profile like he then did, you know, five and ten years later. Well, he won't be doing any uh, big media interviews, I wouldn't think, this week, where the focus is on him and all the rest of it. But, uh, yeah, I think congratulations, Wayne. I know you listen to the podcast, <laughs> I hope. Um, but, uh, yeah, big weekend for him. And I think everybody in the game should, uh, should tip their hat to Wayne Bennett. Amazing contribution to the game. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I think his son-in-law does, so maybe his son-in-law might uh, give him a nudge and say, "Go and have a listen to Jared and Steve." But um, the other thing, actually, Steve, that would be a good interview, Jared. Ben Iken sitting down with him now that they've yeah, that supposedly mended the mended the uh, the bridges. That would be a great yeah, that, interview. That would be a very good one. Yeah, and I think another another one who'd be uh, great at doing it, and he handles himself so well in the media these days, is Shane Webke and. You know, they had a, a very close relationship. You know, they won four premierships together at the Broncos. And, um, you know, again, if you had Shane Webke sitting down for uh, two hours and a long, lengthy discussion about all of the things that they went through together and, you know, post-career and all those sorts of things, both from the farm, yeah, that would be a great interview as well. Well, uh, great uh, great wrap-up on the NRL. I know you will be at uh, Magic Round this weekend, Jared, so you won't be at our... Uh our live podcast at uh, the Community Centre on Friday night with Ross Clark-Jones. Uh, we spent all weekend uh, filming sponsors' ads, so if you're going to get your tickets, get them quick because they're going out the door. There's not many left. Uh, a lot of work's gone into this one. Um, lots of conversations with Ross Clark-Jones leading up to this. I can definitely guarantee it's going to be an epic night. Well, it sounds it, and I saw, uh, I saw some of your social media coverage over the last couple of days of some of the... Uh, the footage for the sponsors and the like oh. looks outstanding. You'll have a full house. And I think maybe in a few weeks' time we might do something uh, as a bit of a live event for Origin too, Steve. Yeah, that's not a bad not a bad idea. And I can guarantee you, Jared, there's no harmonica in any of the ads. <laughs> yeah, well, one day I might put that video out there as well. Yeah, but I can guarantee you when you're work, working with Vaughan Blakey, you wait till you see these ads. They are. He, think, he comes up with stuff that you just never even think of. Ridiculous. Anyway. We will be back on Thursday. Thank you, Jared. A lot of footy to talk about. See you guys. See you, mate. Gunsmoke here. We only set fire through the microphones. <laughs>